shadows under your bed, unknown objects in the sky. Time keeps on ticking as the eyes of the darkness watch in silence. Join us as we dive deep into the depths of the unknown and go beyond the spectrum of our perception. Hello everyone, my name is Shade. And I'm Ken. This is an ASMR edition of the Spectrum of Perception podcast. Today we will speak in whispers and sound effects. No, but seriously, welcome to episode four of the Spectrum of Perception podcast. That cookie was delicious, by the way. Okay, we're done with that skit. Okay. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking about a spooky haunting that lasted at least two and a half decades. Ooh. And this is the part where Goosebumps would play the, the theme song perfect not gonna lie <laughs> okay this is not goosebumps but anyways so yeah uh you remember casper the friendly ghost right yeah i've heard of him but what if i told you that i have a story that is about a young child friendly ghost just like casper huh. okay the only difference is, is he doesn't appear as a nice friendly little cartoon character that floats around and does weird things with his weird uncles yeah i always saw the weird when you look at those movies, how weird that was when like we eat food and it just gets, you know, mashed up by some force and then just ends up on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, what a waste. Yeah. I think I know which Casper movie you're talking about. Uh, that's one of my favorites. Anyways. Yeah, it was my favorite too. Anyways, we're not going to be talking about Casper today. We're going to be talking about Irving, the friendly ghost. Irving. That's a town in Texas as well. Yeah. So this is probably a story you've never heard about before because it's not one of those stories that you hear about all over social media or all over YouTube or even around a campfire because honestly, this is a story from someone I know personally and it's this is not just a story that just gets put out in the open. So Irving, the friendly ghost, he didn't start off as a friendly ghost, but we'll get into that later. So the whole story starts with Linda. Her and her brother were adopted by their grandparents because their mother didn't have insurance and the girl had needed surgery for her eyes, but that's not what this story is about, but it's just a little context. So uh, Linda, her brother, and their grandparents had moved into this new house when she was about 10 years old, so this took place in about 1975. And I guess previously, the owner who lived there before had a child who was about four to seven years old who had gotten really sick and had passed away. So he was quick to sell the house. They didn't find out this information until a little while later when one day the grandmother, Teresa, was having coffee with a neighbor that lived about three houses down from them. And she had told them the story about how the little boy died. 
And honestly, this story doesn't really start from this point either because they had experienced some stuff prior to getting this information and that's when everything started. So shortly after they moved in, they had noticed that they were hearing these pinging sounds coming from the restroom and they only had one in the entire house and it was a a one-story house. So they kept hearing this pinging sound from the pipes below the floor and they didn't really think anything of it at the time. And then one day the pipes had bursted and the grandfather, his name was Edgar, he had to go in and fix the pipes. He was a plumber by profession. So he had to go in and jackhammer the floor because I guess the floor was like a very thick cement. Oh, you mean like the foundation? Yeah, and he had to burst through it in order to get to the pipes. Mm-hmm. And soon after, he fixed the pipes, and then from that point, that's when they noticed that a lot more strange activity was happening in the house. It was almost joked upon that the grandfather had released something from the floor. You know in those movies where archaeologists are out in like Egypt, and they are digging and they end up finding like a door or something and they bust through the door and suddenly it like lets out a, a curse of some kind. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Okay. Terrifying. So some of the first signs that they were having anything going on in the house was when Teresa started noticing that there was little kid footprints showing up in the bathtub. Weird. Yeah. And what was even more weird is she would clean them. And they would reappear every single day, but they would appear in different spots all over the tub. And eventually, like, on the wall of the tub. Weird. Yeah, so, like, as if someone was walking on the side of the wall. It was just really crazy. And then, you know, they started experiencing some of the typical things that you hear from these stories and from the movies. Where doors open and close. They had this accordion door that was attached to the garage. The garage had been converted into, like, a little family room. So that accordion door would open and close, open and close. And also the lights would be turning on and off. But the part that made it kind of creepy was that not only would the lights turn on and off, but, you know, a lot of people would argue like, oh, that's just the electrical or whatnot. Well, the actual light switch was moving up and down on its own. Yeah, that would have been a big red flag, (laughs) right? I would be thinking to myself... Okay, well, if it's electrical and all, can it make the switch move? (laughs) (laughs) Right then. Yeah, no, you can't argue that. And then sometimes there there was a pool table out in that family room that was previously the garage. Mm -hmm. And when no one was in the room, they would be hearing the sound of the pool balls smacking against each other. And then whenever they would go into that room, they had noticed that the balls were still moving on the table. Oh, jeez. Walking in on it. Oh, my gosh. Right. And I guess in that same room, the grandmother, Teresa, she liked to recycle cans or something. So she would have bags upon bags of cans in the room. And then they would hear the sound of the cans like smashing and they would go in and find the cans all over the room, all over the pool table and stuff like that. Oh my gosh, litter bug. So, so far, it sounds like the spirit or ghost or whatever it was they were experiencing is being very mischievous. Likes to joke around. Little Loki. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Like Loki, yeah. <laughs> the god of mischief. Mm-hmm. So some of the other things that they experienced, probably the most harmful, but not harmful in a way, I guess. Because one day, Teresa had woken up and she had blood all of her nightgown. And I guess um, Linda and her mother had freaked out and they started to rip off her nightgown to see where she was cut or stabbed or 
where she might have been wounded and they discovered there was not a single thing wrong with her not nothing was wrong at all it was just blood that appeared on the nightgown weird ew right it's really creepy to think like where did the blood even come from if it wasn't from Teresa? Ugh. yeah no that's that's creepy odd and hard to explain yeah and so the other thing that was i guess you could say kind of harmful was the mother she had been cooking something and as she was pulling something out of the oven the ghost had put some weight under her hands causing her to put her hands down on the stove and burnt her hands ouch yeah ouch ouch but according to the story though that was really the biggest harmful thing that this ghost did otherwise everything just stayed as mischievousness so another time i guess they had a brand new oven being installed edgar had bought a new oven for Teresa. it was brand new it was just beautiful very fancy and it was sitting about several feet away from the wall and it was not plugged in and then the oven just decided to explode oh my god causing all the glass windows in the oven portion of the doors, all the smash and shatter glass everywhere. Oh, God. That's and scary. My God. Right? It just Could you just imagine a brand new appliance, not even plugged in, and it just goes and just falls to pieces right in the middle of your kitchen. I uh, hope you had that receipt. <laughs> that old Sears receipt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess at that point, that was the straw that broke the camel's back for Teresa. And she had decided to just scream out and be like, if you don't stop it right now, I will find a way to get you removed from this house. So she threatened the ghost. Oh, jeez. That should never has it ever gone well for anyone ever doing that. You know what? That's true. Most of these stories that you hear about people yelling and screaming at ghosts or demons or whatnot, it just causes more trouble for them in the long run. Like they get more scratches on their backs or... Just gets uh, more violent in nature. Yeah. But believe it or not, this was not the case for this ghost. Hmm. Though um, the ghost stayed mischievous, for the most part, he actually became more helpful around the house. Does That that sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? Yeah, that's not something you traditionally would hear with a ghost story. Right. So I guess in terms of still being mischievous, I guess he liked to play games. So he would like hide people's stuff, like their keys in the freezer. I guess the coffee pot was the biggest thing that he would constantly hide. Sometimes they would find it even under the beds and in like closets and stuff like that. I, I'm a coffee drinker. That would really tick me off. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. And so after a while, somewhere in between all this stuff happening, that's when they had found out the little boy had died in there and they had no idea what the child's name was. So Teresa just named him Irving. Huh. Yeah, at this point, they don't know any reason why she named him Irving, but that's just the name that she gave him. But so, yeah, this ghost Irving, he started becoming more helpful around the house. And this is why they started calling him the friendly ghost, more of like a family ghost. But yeah, a friendly ghost, because he started to look out for the family, almost like a guardian angel in a way. Well, that's awfully nice. Yeah, right. No, usually, like we said, they usually get more violent when they're threatened, not get their act together <laughs> yeah becoming complacent and joining in on the the errands and chores around the house so if you really think about it this ghost really had to have come from a child because it's kind of how a child would act they would act all act out you know get in trouble and then when they're finally set straight usually that's when they try to be on their best behavior and act right at least for a few hours right 
So I guess some of the things that Irving would do is if someone had forgotten to lock the door at night, and at that time she had one of the, the chains on the door. Mm-hmm. So he would rattle the chain until someone would hear it and go and lock the door. Oh, like a cool alarm system. Like, hey, you forgot me. Yeah. Or if like the doorknobs, like the knob locks or the deadbolts were unlocked or like a window was open or unlocked, he would knock on the doors and the windows to grab their attention in order to come and actually secure the home. Well, I guess if you invade the house, you invade his home. He's thinking in the long run. It's a smart kid ghost thing. (laughs) Right. Whatever it is. So there was another time Linda was now a teenager. So remember, this all started when she was 10. So now she's a teenager. That could have been like three to eight years from now. Oh, wow. I didn't get a huge time frame on these things because at this point, a lot of the time frames they had forgotten when they told me the story. But anyway, so Linda was a teenager and she was it was nighttime, like in the evening, and she was brushing her teeth, getting ready for bed. And she's in front of the sink. Her grandparents were already in bed sleeping and her brother was out with his friends. So the only people in the house was the grandparents that were asleep and Linda. So I guess as she's brushing her teeth, Linda is feeling this tugging on her sleeve and she didn't think too much of it. She's like, oh, it's just Irving acting out again. But I guess the tugging got so strong that it actually started to pull her from the bathroom and it dragged her all the way to the living room. And when I say drag, I don't mean like those terrifying ghostly drags you see from like movies like Paranormal Activity or anything. It's just more like, you know, kind of like when a kid comes over and starts tugging on your your pant leg. It's like, mommy, come here, come look, come look. Mm. And so she got led to the living room. And when she got in there, I guess her brother had accidentally left a cigarette in the ashtray before he left. And it had fallen out of the ashtray onto the couch and the couch had caught fire. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Yeah. So had Irving not warned Linda about the fire, the fire could have gotten a lot worse and probably spread throughout the whole house. And you never know at that point, Linda probably would have been the only one that would have survived because the grandparents were sleeping in the room. So he basically saved the family from either burning to death or losing their house. Saved his own home. Right? I mean, I guess there could have been some selfish motives to it, but I personally like to think that he was being friendly and helpful. But again, you know, even though he was starting to be more friendly and being helpful like that, he still had his mischievous moments. And so I guess they had become very famous for having this haunted house. Like everyone knew about it for some reason. And one day, Linda, she was still a teenager and she was hanging out with her cousin at the house. And I guess one night, these four teenage boys had pulled up and they too had heard that the house was haunted. So they came up and knocked on the door and they, uh, the grandparents had an- had answered and they said, we heard that your house is haunted, but we don't believe it. We, w- we want proof. And so the grandfather, Edgar, he was like, no, you can't come into this house. You can stand out on the front lawn if you want, but we're not going to let you in the house. So that's what they did. They stayed out on the front lawn and Linda and her cousin went out and started talking and swapping stories with the, the four boys. Okay. And during this whole time, The boys are still not believing it. They're still thinking it's all a bunch of hooey. And so Irving, from what I was told, he was the kind of ghost that if people didn't believe in him, he made sure they believed in him later. (laughs) 
Jeez. Because he liked to make his presence known. So I guess what he ended up doing with these boys is he made his presence known by going over each of them and like touching their arm or touching their legs. And at one point, one of the boys said it felt like something heavy was sitting on his lap and it just freaked them all the hell out. So they all got up real quick and they ran to their car and they just peeled out and left and they had never been seen again. And that was the last we saw of them. Pretty much. (laughs) So another time, Linda had a friend over for the night and... Linda's friend didn't believe in Irving just like most people didn't so to make his presence known to her I guess he had taken an old beer bottle that was on the counter and just chucked it across the wall it's freaking scary right I mean if you're if you go over to a friend's house and they say hey I got a ghost by the way and you're like yeah right I don't believe in ghosts and then suddenly a bottle just flings out of nowhere past you and hits the wall I'd be like I'm going home. <laughs> I think I just dropped 10 pounds at that very instant. <laughs> like, oh, no. Now I have even more of a reason to leave. I'm going to walk away slowly without turning around. <laughs> then there was another time Linda's mom and her new husband were going to be staying the night at the house. And the husband was told the story of Irving and didn't believe it either. And so Irving made his presence known by starting to flicker on and off the TV. And the husband wasn't buying it. He thought it was just something wrong with the electrical, kind of like with the lights and everything. Okay. So he was just like, you know what? I don't believe this. So he went over and he unplugged the TV from the wall. Needless to say, Irving kept the TV going on and off after that. (laughs) And the husband left and never came back. (laughs) I guess. I get a divorce like instantly. Sorry, the TV. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a deal breaker. <laughs> I can have your shit. You keep the TV where I'm going. I mean, sometimes it's hard when the family dog is coming over and like peeing on your shoes. But when the family ghost is coming on and turning off and on your TV set, I think that's a little different. And that's a little more frightening, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, the cat just peed in my shoe. I can just go buy a new one. Oh, I just unplugged this TV. And yet it keeps going. Oh my god. (laughs) The dog just ran off with my sandwich. But the family ghost just started making the chairs levitate. (laughs) (laughs) So he's just like a stack of cards, but it's all your chairs. The problem with that was I'm still in one of the chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting at the top like, I'm king of this hill, but it was unintentional. He was just showing you that you could sit up as high as he could kill. That's a nice ghost. So anyways, that sort of stuff just happened for years after that, you know, through this whole time living in this house. So we're going to fast forward to many years later when Linda is in her 20s and the family had most of most of them had moved out. So the brother moved out. Linda had moved out. So uh, Teresa and Edgar decided to sell the house and they sold it and they moved elsewhere. Well, I guess during this time, Irving was not like stuck to the house. He was not confined to that particular home. So he had actually followed the family after that. And he went back and forth between the different family members. It actually would sometimes be with Edgar and Teresa. Sometimes it was with Linda. And sometimes it was with Linda's mom and their aunt, Tanya. And they this again, this happened for years. The presence of him was just back and forth with the different, you know, the closing of doors, the flickering of lights, the mischievousness. It just happened to all of them at random times. 
And then one time, Linda was in her apartment with her new husband, and her husband, like everyone else, did not believe in Irving, and they were having a conversation about him. I guess Irving decided to again make his presence known to the non-believers, and I guess Linda had this three-way lamp. It was also like a mirror, so it was a mirror that had a light on it, and you would touch it, and every time you touch it, the light would get brighter and brighter until it shut off. Ooh, I love tap lights like that. (laughs) Yeah, those are pretty nice. So I guess what he ended up doing was he kept tapping on Linda's lamp, causing the light to go on and off, on and off. And this had freaked her husband out. So he immediately unplugged the lamp and then chucked it outside into the garbage can because he was not going to deal with that stuff. I'd be in the same boat with him. I'd throw that damn thing away real fast. (laughs) Oh, I think we all would. (laughs) So I guess right after that happened, they had this big Toys R Us bag, one of the plastic ones that you would put like big boxes in. Oh, nice. And it was sitting in their living room. And from what they had said, it looked like something had just flattened the bag and sat down on it. And that was just it for him. He took off after that? No, that was like the point where he was finally a believer. Like he realized after the lamp and then after looking at what seemed like something just sat down on this bag really hard, that there was no denying that there was such thing as Irving. The epiphany finally dawns on him. Yeah. Pretty much. So then, again, uh, we're going to fast forward several years. Linda's mom uh, was with her new husband, and Linda now had a baby who was living with her. And it was late, I want to say about 12 or 1 a.m., and Linda had saw her son out out of the corner of her eye, running from uh, his bedroom all the way down to her bathroom through the hallway, and then... After a while, she never noticed her son come out of the bathroom, so she started calling his name. And so he still never came out. So what she ended up doing was Linda got up, and she looked in the bathroom. There was nobody in there. And then she walked over to her son's room, which was literally the next room over to hers. And her son was just passed out. And then this was the first time that she saw Irving in a humanistic form and not just the standard, you know, weird things happening or even that little smoky vapor that sometimes people see when they're looking at ghosts. Physical shape for her to see. Yes. And the fact that it looked just like her son, that's why she realized it was Irving because at the time her son was about the same age. And I guess her son was occasionally playing with Irving in the kitchen. He would roll his car across the kitchen floor and it would roll right back to him. Wow, that'd be kind of cool. You can actually say to people, you have a real imaginary friend. (laughs) Some of those imaginary friends are kind of (laughs) creepy. I think all of them stem from some level of like absurdity that makes them kind of creepy. Like, How could I have thought about this as a kid and not be freaked out about it? And now as an adult, you turn around and you're like, yeah, I'm glad I'm done with those things. (laughs) It's like, you mean Bing Bong was a real person? (laughs) He died 30 years before I was born? (laughs) Oh, God. I thought he was just a part of my imagination. Nope. He was just part of your deluded delirium-like dream forever. But anyways... So again, we're going to fast forward a few months, actually. It was around Easter time. I don't think it was actually Easter day, but it was around Easter time because Linda's mom's birthday was around the same time as well. So they were having a barbecue at the house, and I guess Linda was taking a nap that day, and her husband comes into the room, and he's got this those old camcorders, you know, the kind that were really huge that you had to pull on your shoulder. Oh, wow. Those big monsters. Jeez, those are talk about ancient technology. <laughs> So I guess he comes and wakes her up and he's got this big camera on his shoulder. He's like, Linda, you got to come see this. 
So he brings Linda into the other room where her son's sitting at his little wooden table. And in the room, there was several Mylar balloons, some saying Happy Easter and then some saying Happy Birthday. And I guess the husband said to the son, okay, go ahead and ask for the balloon. And so the little boy goes, boon, boon, and starts reaching out for it. And the balloon just floats down and it puts itself right into his hand. Oh, what? 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 <laughs> and the dad's like, ah, how cool. <laughs> Pretty much. And I guess they did this several times, you know, just to see if it was just a fluke accident, you know. His son is Dr. X or Professor X. <laughs> I got that totally wrong. <laughs> right? It's not a ghost. He just has psychic powers. One direction is, you know, like, what's more believable? Something you can't tangibly see or something that's within a comic book. Let's go with comic books because I'm a big fan of the (laughs) X-Men. I was never a fan of Casper. (laughs) Casper sucks compared to the (laughs) X-Men. But yeah, so I guess it's happened multiple times. And then this happy birthday balloon traveled throughout the house that day all on its own. And they didn't have any AC on. They didn't have the windows open. And I guess when they were videotaping it, they would put lighters about an inch away from the balloon to show that there was no airflow causing the balloon to move. Hmm. And so I guess it kept floating around the house and then it would go and duck under, like, you know, sometimes you have the door frames that come down from the ceiling. So it would duck under and go under the door frames and go back up, kind of like as if someone's pulling it down to make sure that it actually comes with them. And then it would occasionally float into a closet and then sit down on the floor. Hmm. And I guess it did that for several hours that day. And then it would come out and it would float out of the closet and go right back to the ceiling and start circling the house again. Weird. Yeah, it was just very weird. You know, you wouldn't expect a Mylar balloon to be doing that kind of thing. You know, they just float there. You know, you would would expect them to move a little bit around the room if there's a little bit of air conditioning or something. Or even just the motion of people moving, moving the air into the room. But even then, they would just sort of hit the ceiling and just float around, you know, like in a very small area. Probably like, what, a few feet? Maybe. But not around the house and ducking under, you know, door frames and going into closets or even going into a little kid's hand on demand. Yeah, that would be more problematic than one would think. Look, look. Honey, honey, wake up. What? Look at our kid. Look what he could do. (laughs) I have this huge mounted camera, which actually kind of explains or actually really tells us that he couldn't alter any kind of the videos because the technology wasn't really readily available for people then. Right, and this was like one of those big old VHS cameras. Yeah, but they're really terrible quality. They're definitely not. I mean, yeah, back then, potato quality was like the most, you know, best thing around the world. Oh my gosh, it's in color, I don't care. <laughs> like, now that we have like phones that could record things so much better, I wish we could shift time to relive those things with the better technology we have today. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it would. But go on, I'm sorry, I didn't interrupt. (laughs) No, you're fine. So they had noticed that it was only the one birthday balloon that was moving around the house. All those other balloons, the Easter ones and everything, they weren't budging. They all stayed exactly where they were left. So Linda's mom had thought about it and she's like, what if, just what if, this is Irving and maybe it's around the time of either his birthday or maybe his death day or something. And this is like his way of trying to get people to realize that or something. That's kind of sad, really. Mm -hmm. So I guess what they ended up doing is they went out and they got a little cake and they came back 
And since everyone was still at the house from the barbecue, they went and sat this cake in the middle of the table and they had everyone stand around and they all started to sing happy birthday to Irving. And the balloon was floating around the table as everyone was singing. And then once everyone was done, they had Linda's son be the one to blow out the candles. And at the time, the balloon had floated down and looked at the cake. And then after the candles were blown out and the song was sang, it floated out of the room into a different room and then it just stayed hovering in the same spot and it never moved again well maybe it was somebody to celebrate something about him as well possibly i guess he just wanted to feel acknowledged and that was enough to help maybe pass on um actually no because there was still mischievous stuff happening for years after that but that whole balloon incident stopped after the birthday song was sang that must have been nice for poor irving Mm -hmm. So finally, we're going to fast forward to many, many years later. Linda's son is probably about 11 or 12. So they actually move out of state because Linda had gotten a, I don't want to say it was a college scholarship. It was just entrance into a college. So they moved out of state and Irving decided to follow them. But at that point, once they moved out of state, the activities had decreased a lot. So there was not a lot of mischievousness happening ever, ever again. He continued to do the knocking on the windows and the doors to help make sure people in the house were safe. But for the most part, his activity had decreased a lot to the point where he'd almost gotten forgotten. He wasn't forgotten, but, you know, he wasn't the talk of, you know, the town anymore. And so I guess it was Linda's mom who noticed most of the activities. And eventually Linda's mom had gotten her own place and occasionally said that she saw him from time to time and i guess there was one time she had gone back to the original state which was nevada and i guess linda's mom had a situation happen where she was in the hospital and she had actually died temporarily oh my gosh so it was just temporary she they brought her back but i guess during her entire um moment where she was dead she said that she saw this bright tunnel that most people say they see the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I guess Irving was there asking her to come with him and play with him. But, and I guess she really, I guess for at this point she was so ill and stuff that she really wanted to go because she didn't want to be, be here suffering anymore, but they brought her back. So she, at least from what she says, she told him that she couldn't go right away. Now, we don't know if this was an actual Irving encounter or if this was just something that came from, you know, all the chemicals and stuff firing off all the neurons and stuff in her head while she was basically dying. Yeah. But this was the last known, this was the last time that we ever really heard about Irving, especially from uh, Linda's mom. So at one point, years later, Linda's mom had passed away. And at that point everything stopped there was no longer any more activity that ever happened and so it was believed that irving had gone with linda's mom and they passed on together oh that's actually kind of nice it's almost as if irving treated linda's mom as his own mom kind of you know it's it is kind of a sweet story i mean you you, you normally hear these ghost stories and they're very scary and they're creepy and they kind of give you a chill down your back but you know, this story was almost kind of wholesome because you're just hearing about this little boy who was a ghost and, you know, he was acting out like most children do. And then suddenly, you know, after being threatened, you know, he didn't probably didn't want to be sent away. So he started to act right and be helpful. And of course, still be mischievous like little kids are, especially little boys. 
And, you know, the fact that he stuck around the family and not just being stuck to a house just was very, I don't know, like I felt a very strong feeling with that one, you know? Mm -hmm. That must have been an interesting experience. Family, Linda's son especially, being able to interact with it like as as he could. Mm -hmm. So right now, um, just to finish off the story, there is a little bit of a twist to the whole thing. Uh (laughs) Oh. Yeah, so this is actually a story about my family. I kind of figured. I kind of thought you would, but you know, the um, I didn't know if the listeners would, but yeah, so this was all my family, and I was that little boy, Linda. Her name's not really Linda, but Linda was my mom, and her mom was my grandmother, and Teresa was my great-grandmother. I was, I was actually named after my great-grandfather, Edgar. His name was Edgar Kenneth, so, you know, my mom named me Kenneth. I go by Ken, but anyways, so... Yeah, it was just an interesting experience because, you know, I vaguely remember any of this kind of stuff happening. You know, I don't think I ever personally heard any doors or windows knocking. And I don't recall because I was just a kid. So I don't recall ever playing with a imaginary friend. But, you know, the fact that everyone in the family was so adamant about it, I just, you know, I had to believe in it, too. Because, you know, it's one thing when it's just like your crazy grandmother who... (laughs) thinks that you know there's aliens hovering over the apartment complex and no one else is seeing it is that you know that's one thing but when it's your grandmother and your mother and your great-grandfather and your great-grandmother and your aunt your uncle your cousins everyone you know knowing about Irving and everyone experiencing something that you know I just ended up believing in it as well but I don't know it's just it's very interesting and I really like this story because I you know, like I said before, you never hear about ghost stories about a wholesome ghost. You always hear about how they terrorize people and, you know, they they act out to the point where people have to move out of their houses and they have to find a way to financially survive in another home because they can't live in the house that they just paid for. And, you know, this was a different situation where this was just a little boy who just wanted to be part of something, be part of a family, because I guess, I don't know, it just... It was an interesting story, and it was interesting to learn all this stuff, and I really wanted to share it with with you and with the listeners because, you know, because of what our podcast is all about. It's all about the creepy and the unknown and everything that goes beyond the spectrum of our perception. Things (laughs) that knock in the night, and and we talk about them later. Mm -hmm. So, um, if Irving really is a real ghost who was part of our family for decades... I really hope that he did move on and he is living happily wherever it may be. You know, I don't know if heaven exists or not, but, you know, if he really was this wholesome little ghost, you know, I hope I hope he found happiness and found peace. I have to agree with you. I hope he did eventually find peace. I'm not sure what lies beyond life after we pass on, but what I do know is that others have had similar, if not different, experiences dealing with the paranormal. So we'd like to hear from our listeners to share in those escapades. Of course, you can reach us at our social media platforms with Facebook at Spectrum of Perception and on Twitter at The Real S-O-P-P-O-D. If you wish to remain anonymous, you can email us at spectrumofperceptionpodcast at gmail.com. Since you've made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening in and hope you continue to have a livable start to 2021. Have a great one, everybody. And that was episode four. Beep, beep, beep.